0: Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach.
1: I'm Kathy. I'm Melissa. And I'm Kat.
0: And tonight we are all feeling very inspired because we're talking about season three, episode 17, The Muse, which as the title indicates is about muses. Not being amused, but a amu- muse. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: So, first off, this is one of my favorite season three episodes, and I love the introduction to this one. We open up to see a cute little girl playing piano with this angelic, ethereal being behind her, clearly amused as Annie's discussing about how muses inspire people and what would happen if the muse would just disappear and then we see the girl lose her inspiration and all of a sudden her beautiful piano playing doesn't sound so beautiful anymore she tries a few notes then gets frustrated and just walks away and i really love the imagery we see of that muse in that opening because they look so angelic so beautiful the music this girl's is playing is amazing And then what we get in the episode is very different than what the intro portrays.
0: (laughs) True. They're trying to put a hip, modern take on the muse concept. Mm. And for once, we know that that little opening footage was actually shot specifically for the show, because uh, we even have the names of the actresses in that scene. Caroline Chan is the little girl, and Heather Dorkson is the female muse. So there you go, if you were curious. (laughs) (laughs)
2: that is interesting
0: yeah and from there you know this is I think one of the better season 3 episodes as well and before off mic we were saying that a good season 3 episode is still good with an asterisk there because there is definitely some super goofy shit in this one but (laughs) I think what makes it better is that it's a Molly centric episode which we haven't gotten in a while
3: yeah I agree I'm pretty sure that's why I like it more than other season 3 episodes and to me, it feels kind of like an older season episode, a little bit. Um, especially since it starts off with Molly uh, trying to find inspiration, and then automatically she starts talking about Rick, and then there's his theme music, and it just like it hits me with, uh, you know, like flashbacks to all the earlier episodes.
1: Something interesting that first caught my attention when I was just rewatching this one. Is that when we come back from the intro? It shows that Henry Winkler and Tom J. Astle are listed as executive producers for this episode, and they were both doing work on seasons one and two as well. And Tom J. Astle is the creator of the series, so I feel like his influence has really helped this episode out.
2: Yeah, yeah, I feel like uh, that's probably a given, considering it uh, involves uh, Molly and Rook's uh, relationship, but uh that's one thing i don't really like because i feel like they're recreating uh what uh the beginning of their relationship which we don't really i don't think we know how it began canonically uh canonically to the first two seasons and this just feels like uh, something they ruined for season three
1: that is actually something i want to address when we first get back into this episode from the intro. First thing we hear is Rick's theme playing, which we haven't heard that in a while. So that's good to hear. So immediately it tugs at your heartstrings. And we find out that the premise for this episode is that Molly and the gang are staying in a hotel room, the exact same hotel room that she and Rick once stayed in after they had first met. And Irene says that this is the hotel where Molly met Rick 18 years ago, but the math doesn't add up. So I did some digging to the John Cooksy FAQ from 2001. And he was asked specifically about this episode so a question he was asked was how where when did rick or molly meet? or did you ever make it up and kooksy's answer was in my mind and i think this is part of a song or episode molly first saw rick playing on stage all three molly rick and john kane had solo careers before pkb and immediately fell in love with his voice they were introduced first after love at first sight and then there's a follow-up question says, I know you told me how and why Molly and Rick met, but where and when. In the season three episode, The Muse, it was in Eugene, Oregon, at the Big Board Cabaret in 1983. Now, I don't think this was your idea because their first album was in 1981. And Family Reunion, then mentions that he toured with Molly since 1979. So did you ever make up where and when Molly and Rick met? And his response was, I recall somewhere that Molly inherited Ned from Rick that Ned was Rick's roadie and became hers when they joined up. Anyway, I never got around coming with where and when they met exactly, but it would have been at a stadium, not a club. Rick was a major rock star when they met, as was Molly. The model was always Buckingham and Nix joining mm-hmm. Fleetwood Mac, and for John King, Joe Walsh joining the Eagles. And obviously, it would have been before 1981. But Bruce and John, who are executive producers on this episode were instructed not to follow up on our story arc. For instance, there wasn't to be any more mention of these dad in the third season. Disney Channel wanted a letter show and obviously wanted to focus on Alex. Rick only returned, we were told, when certain storylines got so close to him that it was illogical not to mention him. So those are the answers we have from the original season one and two show writer.
0: Well, once again, there goes Cat with digging deep into the archives <laughs> and the lore to dig up some very specific information.
1: <laughs> I'll have to because, like Melissa, it does bother me that the timing in this this episode isn't true to so weird Canon as we know it,
0: yeah, yeah. and th- there's a moment where Jack says he's about the same age his dad was when he first met Molly, and something about that, I don't know if the timeline make sense or lines up with that either i found that to be a very odd statement
3: i don't know why they had to add all these details to this episode if it wasn't their original (laughs) storyline
0: why would i don't know
2: yeah i think that's basically my problem with the episode it just yeah
0: but at the same time it is nice that they're acknowledging Rick and Molly's relationship and Rick's death at all. Because as Kat just said, season three completely dropped all the other reoccurring story points from the first two seasons. So it is surprising that this was mentioned at all.
2: Yeah, that is yeah, true.
1: That, that is something I was thinking about when we had the John Jungkooksy interview recently was that he mentioned that they hadn't mentioned these that again until fans complained or something, and then they brought him back later in the series. So maybe it was fan influence why we got this episode at all.
3: Maybe. I didn't realize that Disney cared.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm very, very surprised to hear that.
1: (laughs) Well, at the time, the show was still airing, so maybe fans did have some influence then. We don't know.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. If only we could have done one of those letter writing campaigns. I know back in the day when a show was at threat of being canceled, fans would write in letters and convince the network executives that there was a following to renew the show. I know that like Roswell and I think Forever Night and one or two other things got renewed that way.
3: Now it's through Twitter. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, had, uh, yeah. Twitter and email.
2: I I remember when Girl Meets World was being canceled. There was this whole uh, thing with uh, that fan base, and people sending in emails to Disney and uh, telling them to put it on net or, uh, take it over to Netflix. Did uh, that work? No, because <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. nowadays Disney, we're getting off topic. Disney does not care nowadays. That's why.
0: But but to get back to the muse here, I guess we should talk a little bit about the actual plot of this episode some more. Yeah, um, the Phillips family, well, okay, Molly, Jack, uh, Carrie, and Annie are stopping by at this old hotel that has a personal connection to Molly. And because she feels like she has lost her muse, Molly isn't feeling very inspired right now. She's not working on new music at the moment. So why here at this hotel... Annie and Jack and Molly meet this person claiming to be the Phillips muse because apparently somewhere in the cosmology of so weird, individual artists are assigned muses. Anyway, Annie and Carrie are all very, very uh, skeptical, but eventually he does manage to convince them. Uh, But it still doesn't seem to help out Molly much because, oh, twist ending. We're pulling a Shyamalan here. The muse (laughs) wasn't sent for Molly. It's actually Jack's muse because he's been going through some problems right now, typical late-teens issue. He's just wondering what he wants to do with the rest of his life. And that, I guess, is the short version of the muse right there. So,
2: Yeah. Yep. I did like the uh, storyline for Jack, uh, you know, just not being sure what he wants to do and kind of feeling lost in a way.
3: Which usually, I think, like, you know how they portrayed Jack before is he's, like, pretty sure of himself. Yeah. I mean, he's smart in school. But in this episode, at least it, like, drops a little hint of, like, you know, photography. And um, we did see him with a camera once, I think, before in that other episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, that one. <laughs> what was that one? Uh, the snapshot. Photo? There we go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now that's something that bothers me because I love the subplot about Jack trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. But it bothers me that they just stuck photography on him. Because yeah. since when is Jack all that interested in photography? We only saw him look at a camera in one episode. I feel like the episode would be more solid to me. If they had given Jack an interest in something that we could look back and be like, "Oh yeah, I kind of see that for Jack all along," like maybe if he has an interest in becoming a police officer because he's good at protecting people, or a lawyer because he loves to argue, just something. Maybe guitar player even because he plays a guitar,
3: or like
0: a baseball player.
1: Trace back. Well,
0: you know, it's Jack's never been shown as being. Particularly interested in any one career. I mean, we know he's very studious, but we've never actually heard him say what he wants to be when he grows up. So, um, I don't know. I guess photography is as good as anything,
2: <laughs> it could be just an interest and not so much uh, what he wants to do with his life, but more of a hobby,
3: yeah
0: but regardless the most important thing about this episode that i have to mention that obviously takes precedence over anything else is the rapping
1: waitress (laughs) and that waitress is also dolores herbig as in her big brown eyes from the tv show did like me which is an awesome show that i highly recommend and i love her in this episode so so much that waitress rap was incredible it never fails to put a smile on my face and I'm really mad at Annie for dissing her and being so unimpressed and be like, Oh, you think that sure? <laughs> I means nothing.
0: Oh, it's see, stopping. I was being, I, I was being sarcastic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, Zach. <laughs> That's no, funny. No, 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 the rap. <laughs> Lorraine, <okay? She laughs> you Florine, okay? She's too good for you. Um,
0: so she, apparently that actress was also on the TV show Reaper, if anybody remembers that one. Um, And, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's definitely, I feel, one of the cringy moments. Anytime you have the whole joke is, oh, look at that white person trying to rap. Isn't it great that they're appropriating another person's culture there? (laughs) Um, And, of course, uh, it is reprised over the closing credits. Do we have a clear HD version of that that you can put in the end of the episode, Kathy? (laughs)
3: Um, I don't think so. I know someone made, like, a fan bit of it. I think that's on YouTube oh, somewhere. Yeah.
0: <laughs> A fan bid for, uh, for Waitress Lorene? Yeah. <laughs> was it one I... of you guys? Like, No, <laughs> I, don't,
3: I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it. I remember <laughs> saying that. It
2: was funny.
3: Um, but yeah, that scene was kind of cringy to me. And then uh, the, the muse guy, the younger one, um, I never it's liked him.
2: Harder. Yeah, I he's just cringy to me. I don't uh, like him or his actor acting either. Fun fact. He's actually Alex's older brother.
0: Ah,
3: yeah. I could definitely see how, you know, there was like a few shots where they showed him and her like right beside each other, no one else in the frame. And I'm like trying to see like, Oh, you know, the resemblance. I can't really see it that much.
0: I yeah. It was just the so- hair
3: color. I don't know.
0: I can't say I noticed it, but yeah, Matt David Johnson. I mean, Johnson's a pretty super common last name, so. but this was apparently his screen debut, and he's done a little acting since then. Episode of Psych, The L Word, -word, Stargate SG-1, some things here and there.
2: Yeah, actually, uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, he directed a uh, mini- film and called it the dishwasher which Alex actually okay. saying uh, two songs for oh. yeah
0: I'm seeing that on his uh, IMDB here yeah it's a little uh, it's a little 11 minute short film
2: yeah he, yeah he did that then Alex uh, wrote and did the uh, soundtrack for it basically
0: well I guess that's the benefits of having a pop star for a sister yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't mind the muse guy. I mean, the the acting is fine. The character is kind of smarmy and silly, but the whole point is that he is a new muse. He's a rookie. Mm -hmm. He's just getting a start here.
1: Now, this this episode always seems like a watered-down rip-off of the movie A Simple Wish to Me, where the male fairy godmother had no clue what he was doing and wrecks havoc everywhere. Like, that is Molly's muse. Mm
0: -hmm. is isn't
1: Molly's muse, but Jack's muse. Like this young cocky guy, no idea what he's doing, but pretends he does anyway on his first job. Only, and I love the movie A Simple Wish. I don't love that plot line here. And I think part of it is because I like the mythology aspect of things. And I really hate the contrast between that cool muse we saw in the intro, this angelic being, very inspirational, to this like it seemed like they were they made it too human. And they yeah. were just playing it for laughs where it did a total disservice to the mythology of the show and the monster of the week aspect, aspect of the show.
0: I don't know. I mean, if you had somebody running around in a toga being all angelic and stuff, that would be <laughs> out of place. I think it's kind of cute, sort of a modernization of a Greek ancient Greek idea there.
3: Yeah, I would yeah. You know, there's a a comparison could be the Siren episode how I think, like, they try to modernize that, and I liked how they pulled that one off. Um, This one, I mean, it just feels like season three, like, they're just being funny and silly, so, I mean, now watching it, I'm I'm okay with it. Like, I kind of like it more just because of Molly than the whole Muse thing. Um, But, yeah, yeah. Also, what I think is a little weird is that Annie and Carrie easily like start believing well he does convince annie by doing you know his tricks with the dog and the waitress but carrie kind of believes in like the whole like physical muse as well and then they go along with it and they just present it to molly like here here's Uh, your muse instead of like don't they realize the muse is just like you know someone that you look up to (laughs) or they inspire you i don't know that was like the weird part i think
1: Harry seemed a little bit like cardboard in this episode, where he shows up with a dancing dog, and then when the dog leaves, like I never thought you were muse anyway. And it just felt like a really bad attempt at humor because it wasn't funny, and it wasn't yeah. genuine.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's just another problem I have now <laughs> <out> with <laughs> this episode. It tries too hard to be funny and then just falls flat.
0: Well, you know, this is the thing. It's very much a divided episode. For the most part, it is a typical, mediocre, goofy season three episode. But there is just this little dollop of heart here in the middle. Because it it acknowledges Molly's loss and her feelings of conflict, still lingering trauma from the death of her husband. So it does feel like a very typical season three episode. But they just inject it just a little bit of season one and two in there.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. that's the only thing that really saves it for me. But, yeah, the bad humor is really bad.
3: <laughs> and, like, you can see where those two things meet up. And it's definitely the scene where Annie shows Molly, the, the guy, saying, like, oh, here's your muse. And he's not doing anything. He's, like, failing at what he's supposed to do. And then, like, Molly is just, like, you know, this is stupid. Like, this is one of the stupidest things that I've done. <laughs> and I feel so bad for her at this point, because, like, you know, she's at a low point. She's yeah. trying to inspire herself, but by going somewhere, it's not working. I feel a little bad for her on there.
2: Yeah, I actually did, like, this uh, storyline for Molly in this episode, uh, just because I can uh, connect with it so well, Uh being a writer and always having writer's block and not really sure what to do to inspire myself, it I just cannot do it so well.
0: Yeah, um, though it is super obvious to see where the whole business with the handyman is going.
1: Yeah, just let me add on one thing for Molly's stupidest thing I've ever done speech. I feel like it's Mackenzie's acting that really gets that scene hitting home because it tugs at my heartstrings every time. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that line with her reacting to Annie introducing her to her literal muse feels a little out of character for her to just accept that, okay, there's a physical muse in front of me and this is a stupid idea. I'm like, why isn't Molly telling Annie like, oh, honey, I didn't mean a literal muse. What is the stranger doing in my house? I'm here to connect with Rick and get this guy out of my face. Yeah, I feel like that's where the muse was. It was in Rick. Her inspiration that was tied to that place. Tied to her love. And it seems a little bit weird for her to accept the idea of a literal muse and be searching for some outside person to give her inspiration.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but again, it's season three, so you just kind of have to go with it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, at first, I felt like canceling the gig seemed unlike Molly, but then she gives that really moving speech about how she doesn't want to go through the motions, and I'm like, oh, Molly, I love you so much. So Molly's definitely the highlight of this episode.
2: Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah, the Molly and Jack scenes were nice as well, because, you know, it reminds you back to season one and two where she always talks to Jack about some serious stuff.
0: Yeah, um, so, you know, I I agree with you there the Molly centric aspects of this episode are pretty good to the point where we actually even have Rick's ghost reappearing for the first time in quite a while.
2: I think first time in season three. Only time in season three.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um so again, it just it feels a little bit like some season two got in my season three here, which is for the betterment of the episode. But yeah, I want to talk about that whole handyman subplot. Now, Molly's mm-hmm. in the old ha- building, and there's this handyman coming in, he's breaking through the walls, he's banging on the pipes, he's going up a ladder, cleaning up the gutters. Seems like she can never get a moment alone to actually work on anything because this dude is always butting his head in. But of course, if you've ever seen a movie or a TV show that deals with this kind of topic before, obviously, you can pick up that, oh, well, this guy is, Annie, or, is Molly's actual muse. In fact, you might notice when he's banging on the pipes with his wrench, he actually, that's the melody for the song she sings at the end there. So, really? Yeah, yeah. If you listen closely, huh. it's kind of the same bars as thinking about tomorrow. So,
2: I'll um, have to re-listen to that and re-watch those scenes, but <laughs> I did not catch that.
0: yeah. So, I mean, and I guess that's cute. I mean, moments like that, you have to remember the show, at least season three anyway, was being targeted at the seven to 10 year old crowd. That's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that a kid would probably not pick up on, but an older person immediately catches. And that actor, Stephen E. Miller has been in a ton of stuff. I'm looking, he has 171 credits on IMDb. Oh, wow. Been in a ton of movies and TV shows. He was in Airbud and Scooby-Doo 2, the second X Files movie, just and just a lot of television. So
3: Yeah, watching it as a kid I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> but now it's like you, you know, he's like on every scene with Molly and and he's has that scene at the end with Jack where he's like, you know, a muse is like kinda like when hard work and inspiration come together. I think that's what he says
2: yeah that uh little bit was like super inspiring to be honest
1: yeah that was a good speech he was a good muse and i feel like (laughs) like uh quinn carter the dark-haired muse he it was a joke and a bad joke (laughs) like i get the show did it for laughs but it wasn't funny
0: all right, and just for the people who are still playing our bingo game, here's Zach mentioning an old horror movie. Stephen E. Miller was also in The Stepfather from 1987, so you can go ahead and check that <laughs> off. <laughs> uh. um, but I do like the song, too, by the way. You know, it's very poppy. It doesn't feel like a season one or season two song, but it is catchy, and that is... I I will admit that I have occasionally woken up and had this song stuck in my head for some reason so (laughs) that's funny
1: it's a very upbeat song i cannot bring myself to dislike it the only there's just one thing about it that just rubs me the wrong way and that's from an analytical (laughs) standpoint it doesn't seem to make much sense to me the lyrics thinking about tomorrow slam the door on days gone by like what are you talking about are you talking about rick are you slamming the door on his memory forever
3: <laughs> i don't think so really wrong
1: way i
2: think it's about just moving forward with your life
3: yeah like to me the two good molly songs of season three is this one and the other one it's called a different story right
2: I think this is a good song, but for some reason, for me, it's kind of forgettable. Like, I completely forgot the song existed until I rewatched this episode.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, so I looked at the lyrics, because I I was thinking, like, did they, what did they actually put in these verses? And, um, you know, it starts off with her saying, sometimes I feel undone. A stranger comes, a whisper that I lost someone. Either she lost her muse or, you know, she lost Rick. Uh, he yeah. tells me right and wrong, helps me sing my song, lifts me up, makes me strong. To me, that's like Rick or it could be her muse. But um, there is one, one line where she said, uh, saying hello to the sunny sky. And um, there's probably no coincidence in these lyrics, but I like to see it as her getting over her grief from the lyric in another world where she says, um, it's been night so long now. Um, She doesn't think the sun will rise. Oh yeah. Or, or yes, one day the sun will rise. And then I like hearing in this one saying hello to the sunny spot. I think these songs are her getting over her grief whereas season one and two, she's just in her grief wanting to get over it.
0: Well, that's her. That's a wondervation there, and I agree, completely unintentional, because I don't think the people who did the songs (laughs) in season three put the amount of thought into it that John Cooksey and the people who worked on the season one and two songs did, because this does feel like a kind of a generic pop song, sort of disconnect it from the thread of the episode a little bit.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a good song, and one time I did read an analysis of it online. I think it was on Conrad's Hideout of somebody who believed that a slamming the door on days gone by it was talking about slamming the door on Rick and saying hello to the sunny skies. Their analysis was that it meant she was ready for a relationship with Carrie.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know what? Yes.
2: I, 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 I knew somebody was going to say that. I knew it.
0: Well, you know, because now, now Kat has completely perverted the way I watch the show. <laughs> you know, these tiny no, little interactions.
1: In this episode, right yes. before they go, Carrie's holding onto Molly's arm, like, Ma, concert, you, me? Like, I'm not imagining that. That moment is there.
2: Yeah, I I knew somebody was going to mention that, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's (laughs) a little moment where Carrie also says, like, what's up with Molly? Is Molly okay? He expresses concern to her, which is obviously a totally platonic, normal interaction. When your friend is clearly going for some stuff, you're going to ask if they're doing all right. But... But but at the same time, Kat has completely changed the way I watch this program. So immediately I'm going like, Oh, there you go. There's your little Molly Carrie moment for the shippers out there.
1: Hey, I discovered a Molly Carrie fan site when I was 13 years old. It has forever impacted the way I view this show. So thank you. (laughs) The people who started the Molly Carrie fandom.
3: (laughs) But, but I, yeah, I do like the song. Um, I, I laugh at Jack's dancing. <laughs> or oh, his- I love
1: that Annie and Jack are dancing together during the song. They look so cute.
3: Yeah, they do. But, yeah, so she's singing it. You know, I think, like, she's, you know, getting over her grief and all that. And then you see the muse look at her, and then it turns into Rick. And then Molly is like, well, you know, she's like, whoa, it's, it's Rick. And then he turns away so i like i feel like that's rick saying like it's okay to move on but that's just a lot of deep analysis by myself (laughs) like probably not the show's meaning
1: yeah i always interpreted it as rick being molly's muse
2: yeah i saw it too especially that scene
1: and then another thing i noticed was that when rick does make his final appearance the music that accompanies it isn't that guitar of Rick's theme. It's yes. more of like this twilight Zoney sound. So now it feels like the door has been slammed on Rick. His theme is no longer playing. That's
4: what
3: I that's what I thought too.
2: <laughs> or it's just the season three okay. whatever, not caring. Yeah. <laughs> no, that,
0: I, they I played think
2: need Rick's theme
1: at the beginning of this episode.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I think yeah. um, I think we're both, uh, being longtime fans of the show who are very passionate about it, we're all seeing these things here, uh, and they were not intended in any way. <laughs> but,
3: <laughs> I, I don't think it is, but... Yeah, maybe they didn't realize, like, oh, you know, they play his motif theme all the time when he's there. They Maybe they forgot. <laughs> yeah. But, I
0: mean, I, I've, I've basically said everything I need to say about this episode already. You know, like... um. It's a pretty good season three episode because it focuses on Molly and it acknowledges Rick and it gets a little more emotional than we are used to seeing from the from the show at this point in its life. But it still has a bunch of really goofy stuff and the premise is still really silly and very cutesy. But, you know, what are you going to do, man? It's season three. Beggars can't be choosers.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: true. Yeah, this is one of my favorite season three episodes. I'm sorry. It sounded like I was hating on it. But (laughs) it just feels like so weird in an alternate universe. Like Harry felt like cardboard to me in this episode. Jack felt like he was being forced into photography where it felt like he had no real connection to it. So it feels like my 3D characters just don't feel like 3D characters anymore. And I'm sad about that. But I do enjoy this episode. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It makes me smile every time. And it brings back Rick.
3: Yeah. I think they said Muse too many times. The word muse. They said it so many times.
2: (laughs) Maybe somebody should uh, make a video uh, with all the times they say muse. A muse
0: supercut. And then they can do a supercut of this podcast episode of all the times we have said muse. This one was written by Bruce Zimmerman who did Still Life and Voodoo which are also two of the better season 3 episodes. Mm -hmm. But he also did Talking Board and Blues from Season 2, which are, like, weaker episodes, in my opinion. Oh, and then Sacrifice from Season 1, which I do like. So, obviously, the guy's worked on the show before. He should have a better idea, perhaps, of who these (laughs) characters are. But I agree with it I don't know. Carrie is acting weird, and it just feels like they gave Jack photography because they didn't know what else to do with him.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah one more thing i want to mention that we haven't discussed is annie's outfit i feel oh. like they br- they try to make up for going a little bit dark with rick by amping up the brightness of her outfit <laughs> like it's so bright purple it's very classic disney
3: <laughs> i i think also annie was acting weird in this episode well i always feel like her emotions aren't like. They're like overdone in season three. Like, why is she? Why is she so angry in this episode? Like, I know she wants to help. Uh, Maybe she's
2: annoyed. Maybe she's annoyed by her brother being there.
3: Well, she's like so mad at the guy. He, she's always saying all these like mean jokes to him or like comebacks to him. But she does it a lot. I feel like her emotions are kind of like overdone in season three. But
4: well, she wasn't in the other two seasons,
0: so. (laughs)
2: That's one of the things I actually really like about this episode, Annie's attitude toward him.
3: Yeah, uh, I did see in the credits that they credited the dog. (laughs) (laughs) It said Dancing Dog Highway. That's its name.
0: (laughs) Uh, Anytime anytime I see a dog in an old movie or TV show, all I can think is that dog's dead by now.
2: (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs)
1: Wow, Wow. nobody
3: needed to think about that. Oh, and then uh, I did see who wrote the lyrics. Uh, it's just a guy named Jeff Dana or Dana, and um, Hmm. he's still making music. He did music for a lot of films like The Good Dinosaur, that Kurt Cobain montage of Heck, Resident Evil, Boondock Saint, Silent Hill. So
0: Lots of stuff that probably does production in Canada.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm assuming.
0: <laughs> um,
3: so um, maybe this was one of his first things.
0: Um so is there anything else we want to say about this one? I I feel like I've already exhausted my material here.
3: It's a bleak
2: episode for me for the most part, but with you know, a bleak. few things here and there.
0: It's bleak. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> I I don't like it. <laughs> I was actually uh, talking to Kathy and Pat about it before you came on and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the only deputy Downer, aren't I?
0: <laughs> I was actually in the room for that comment.
2: Oh, you but... were? <laughs> yeah, I was here. <laughs> I have a really a shitty memory.
0: Um, yeah, anything else we want to say? Are we ready to move on to <laughs> ratings or I bet Pat has more to say.
1: I'm good with ratings. Okay, we're right. all
0: right. I'm going to give this a 6, right in the middle for me. Neither like, you know, not not just a little above the margin as far as season 2 stuff goes, but it's still kind of a typical shitty season 3 episode. I mean, I mean season 3. But um <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 6.
3: Yeah, I'll say 6 as well because I I like watching it. I just wish the whole silly muse guy was gone.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think I will probably go with a 5.5 to 6. <laughs> the humor is just really bad. Uh, I really, really do not like how they messed with the timeline. Uh, it's really weird that I'm the one complaining about that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But they do make up for it for the storylines between uh, Molly and Jack and... Annie's attitude, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I gave this one a 6.5 because it is one of my favorite season three episodes. It is a pleasure to watch it, even all this time later. I'm just really disappointed that they did a disservice the Monster of the Week aspect of the show with how they turned a muse, this amazing ethereal being, into a cocky, smarmy joke of a human. <laughs> like, I hate what they did with the actual news, but I love that they brought back Rhett. And I love that they tried to develop Jack a little bit, even if I don't agree with the way that they went about it.
0: Okay. Well, we seem to be mostly in agreement about this one, though. So... Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, are we ready to move on to feedback? Yes. All right we have a lot apparently we we've, we've been away for a bit took a bit of a break for the holidays and everybody has things to say to us our first bit of feedback here is from some joker named jimmy i don't know who this guy is <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is on our fountain episode. He said, I just realized that when Rick was dancing with fee, when she was a baby, Molly was recording on her video camera. Then fee wakes up and asks her mom if her dad ever danced with her. We know the family has footage from the younger years, but where'd this Christmas video go? Did Molly lose family videotape? She shot.
3: I think this question was brought up before. Uh, I think from Andrea, I think. And, uh, Oh, oh, she said that, and I was like, wow, that's such a great point. <laughs> but I guess she did lose them.
0: Somewhere we, there are the missing Phillips family tapes. The missing tapes.
1: <laughs> Maybe they taped over it with Jeopardy or something.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Simpsons <Right>. reruns.
3: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this one is from Matthew. He commented on our twin episode on YouTube. They said, Actually, I rewatched this episode. If you look closely when Fee is holding onto the ledge, there's another part on the ledge where she would have fallen onto instead of the street. Just wanted to put that out there. So he's saying that there's like two scenes, two scenes put together. But-
0: well, I think what he's saying is there's a smaller ledge underneath of her that you can see that she would have fallen on instead of hitting the street. Oh. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I have noticed that before like that's not that big of a drop
0: <laughs> yeah well though at the same time I wouldn't want to fall off the side of a building onto some sort of concrete ledge there I mean that, yeah, that, would,
3: that is true.
0: it's pretty scary <laughs>
3: yeah. I probably would somehow hit the ledge and miss it and then roll off <laughs> yeah it's a yeah, dangerous
0: situation I, I wouldn't do that <laughs> with an infant
3: <laughs>
2: yeah I probably would I'm that bad <laughs>
0: You would throw an infant off of a hotel?
2: Uh Depending on how annoying they are, you know, they can be annoying sometimes.
0: Uh, Let's just move on from the casual (laughs) infanticide here.
4: Okay.
1: Next comment is from Princess Fernandez on the John Coopsey interview. Just finished listening to the John Coopsey interview, and it was awesome hearing what else he had to say about the process and impact of the show. But yeah, I can't imagine So Weird being produced within the same constraints, confines, zaniness as Even Stevens, LOL. So I'm glad the show took the direction it did and made it stand out. I'll read Princess Fernandez.
0: Yeah, have you guys ever tried to rewatch Even Stevens? That's a show that does not hold up.
1: Really?
3: I never oh. even liked it when it was on air. Oh, I, I liked
0: it at the time, but the, yeah, the zaniness. It. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> but I loved it back then. I've never watched it, though.
0: The the zaniness is oppressive, uh, but that's just <laughs> me being old, I think.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I think I tried to rewatch it uh, after uh, listening to this uh, Even Stevens podcast, and I just can't get back into it. It doesn't hold up. Not for me, anyways.
0: Yeah, and but it is sort of cute to go back and see little baby Shia LaBeouf.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Back before he was a movie star. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: okay. um, we did have one other comment on the, the John Cooksey, uh interview. It was from Bookworm's Finest. They said um, sorry, just making sure that no one thinks he's wrong. The factors of 165 are 3, 5, and 11 and the letters of 15 and 11 do correspond to the letters o and k respectively he was probably just thinking of the 65 part which does have factors of 5 and 3 um <laughs> don't say that to him <laughs>
0: oh, wow you know uh thanks man that's uh, a <laughs> that, that's totally beyond me but
3: uh, oh my god and they also said um also sad no one asked about the ghost woman in the intro or if Jack is actually King Arthur himself, as King Arthur is said to rise again when um Albion
0: Albion
3: Albion needs him and Albion is part of the world so
0: weird. Uh, has wow. there ever been any um suggestion that Jack is descended from King Arthur or
2: I don't think so.
0: Okay, what? I mean I knew he was a knight, but i never heard that he was specifically king arthur
1: no, no in the faq it always said that he was a reincarnated knight but i've never seen anything in there about king arthur we okay, do would... have an answer though for the question about the the ghost that we see in the opening credits that was something that was specifically shot from the opening it was some some crew member running around in a sheet during the filming of Simplicity. So the reason why we didn't ask that question is because we already had the answer to it in the FAQ, which any fan of So Weird should check out, because it's awesome to see.
0: So because Um, we were gone for a while, we did also get a lot of comments, and we're not going to read all of them, because there are so many. But we do want to say thank you to Blue-Eyed Scorpio and Nasea for all the feedback. We do read all the comments, and we do appreciate all of them. We just don't always have time to read all of them on air.
3: Yeah,
2: There's a comment... From Bernardo. He uh, says, Hello, my name is Bernardo. I'm from Brazil. I'm really glad there are people uh, out there who remember this and watch So Weird. I thought I was uh, the only one. Uh, haha, great podcast. I feel like you
1: nice we to- were the only one to remember the show until we found each other.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how everyone feels, like, especially, like, on Twitter. I'm always saying, like, does anybody else remember this show? <laughs> I, I see that, like, every time I search it. Um I feel like if it was on some streaming or on TV, like, people will realize, like, you might have thought this was a distant, like, dream, but it was a real show.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, that's exactly how I felt about it before I found it again. Like uh, I didn't know if it was a, a real show or not, or if it was just a figment of my imagination. <laughs> yeah. I'm very glad I refound it.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I've talked about this before, how this is a show I definitely remember seeing. I have very specific memories of it, but it was also one that I didn't think about for a long, long time until I went yeah. back and watched it because yeah, you know, there's just, nobody talks about the show. It doesn't, Disney doesn't reference it. It's never brought up. There's no way to watch it unless you dig up the bootlegs that are floating around the internet. So I think that has contributed to be to it being sort of kind of forgotten, but not really forgotten. Because if you mention the show so weird to people, they remember it, but it's just not talking yeah. that
2: much. Yeah, I have basically the same uh, relationship with it. <laughs> And I am forever grateful for the people
1: who did create DVDs because I was lucky to get those when I was still a kid. So I've been fortunate to have this show growing up. So I never felt like I imagined it. I've always been able to go back and rewatch it whenever I want.
0: I mean, I've got the little, I've got DVDs as well. They're, they're pretty shitty. The quality Mm -hmm. looks like they're ripped right off of YouTube, but I do own a physical copy of the show. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. thanks
3: everyone. Yeah, thanks for all the comments that we got throughout the little holiday break that we had.
0: Okay. Is there anything else we want to discuss this week?
3: I guess we can say thanks, to everyone, who participated in our little So Weird celebration that we had a few weeks ago. Um, because it's been 20 years officially now since the premiere episode of So Weird, Uh, January eighteenth, nineteen 1999 is when that premiere, that episode came out. Actually, the first two episodes came out. So it's been 20 years. Disney did not say anything at all. They acknowledge other stuff like Lizzie McGuire and um, some other movie. (laughs) Being on. Um, Actually, the Lizzie
2: McGuire uh, one was like the day after So Weird's
3: (laughs) anniversary, wasn't it? Something like that. It was like a day or two after
0: that. I just twist the knife.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but, uh, but we tried our best to get fans talking and people joined in. People made fan art. We were just talking about our favorite episode songs and all that. And then Kat made a video, an awesome video of like, you know, all of us talking about why we like So Weird. So if you haven't seen it, it's pretty cool. Go ahead and watch it
1: and thank you so much to everybody who contributed. It was so awesome to see people remembering and loving the show.
0: Yeah, my Twitter feed was full of that stuff. I was really surprised by the reaction we got, so that was great.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was also very surprised by how many people joined in for that little celebration.
1: And now let's keep the celebration going all year with the
3: (laughs) (laughs) original air dates of the episodes. Yeah, it's like mainly every... Well, not every Friday, but um, at least for this month, it was every Friday. Probably the next month is when uh, an episode premiered. So I'll just be on Twitter like, hey, what do, you, what do you guys think about this episode and all that?
0: And go back and re-listen to our podcast episode about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and there is just that general feeling of like, oh, wow, this thing I remember as a kid and loved as a kid is now – you know, old enough to drink practically, um, almost old enough to drink. And it just makes me feel like, you know, that that gif from Saving Private Ryan of Matt Damon aging in like 50 <laughs> years and two seconds. That's just how I feel constantly these days, all the time.
1: <laughs> you gave me yeah, a great idea same. for your 21st anniversary, Zach. That should be the day we do the Drunk So Weird podcast.
0: Oh, oh, my, God. oh my God. anniversary.
1: The, let's do it.
0: The anniversary of what?
1: So we're
3: twenty first anniversary.
0: Oh, fantastic! Yes, all right, I, I will. I will imbide.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and also, again, big thanks to John Cooksey for you know taking time and having the interview with us. So if you haven't listened to it, it's really awesome. You can really hear how much he enjoyed the show and enjoyed making it, and all the memories he's he's had.
0: Yeah, and honestly, already have, if we ever get up the nerve, or if he's ever interested in coming back for a part two, we already have enough questions for one, <laughs> so...
3: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah.
0: I mean, that was definitely cool, you know. Getting John Cooksey on the show was something we have been talking about pretty much from the beginning, so <laughs> that was definitely a neat experience. Yep. Yeah.
3: We'll
2: try it to- was definitely... Like, so inspiring for me to be a part of that. Seeing changes how much similarities I have with John Cook today. It's honestly weird. But, <laughs> all um, right.
3: We'll, we'll try to keep those interviews going. I mean, we'll keep asking. We'll see who actually responds and all that.
0: Yeah, that, that's yeah. unfortunately the thing. We have no control over whether people get back to us or if they're interested. So, okay. but we do. Hopefully we'll have some more of those coming soon at some point.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right. I think Kat fell asleep. And um <laughs> and if nobody else has anything else to say, are we ready to I'm wrap alive. this one up? Oh, you are <laughs> alive. Good. Good. Yeah. Um
2: I think I think we're good.
0: Okay. We are feel we are no longer feeling inspired. <laughs> The muse has run its course. This has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach.
2: I'm Kathy. I'm Melissa. And I'm Kat.
0: And thank you for listening. And as always, keep the faith.
4: I'm going to take some my shots phone. for my portfolio, but... Who knows the way the cold wind blows But then a tiny Thanks. spark Will catch my part.